0: Well, church, how are we doing this morning? We've been blessed already, amen? amen. Have you heard the word of the Lord ring in your ears today? Well, if not, you need to have somebody clean them out. It's been, it's been spoken. It's been given to us. I tell you what, uh, it's so good to be home. Thank you for letting Carrie and I and my family get away. Uh, we uh, enjoyed great time with our family and a uh, great time of rest. But we missed you. And It is good to be back home. Good to be with you today In my heart, I want to share with you what jesus has been speaking to me Grab your bibles and if you like taking notes grab your bulletin outline. We'll be uh, there in just just a moment But i've got some numbers for you as we start out this morning and some statistics uh, That I want you to catch with me today I don't know if you are aware or not, but The statisticians tell us that 30% of Americans can identify who the presenter of the Sermon on the Mount was, just 30%. Fewer than half of all American adults can name all four Gospels. Just over half of Protestant adults, so those who are 18 years and older who claim to be Protestant, only... Just over half of them say they read some portion of the Bible every week. This next one just gets me. 65% of all adults who identify themselves as a Bible reader. These are not, it's not everybody. The people who say, yeah, I read the Bible only or actually 65% of everybody who says, I am a reader of the Bible, 65% of them say they have never read the entire New Testament through any time in their life. A survey of of more than 500 pastors resulted the input that nearly half of them said, "The, the major reason why people don't read the Bible is because they are too busy, they don't have time. Now, I think that last one makes me more aggravated than anything else. I, I think I maybe could understand why maybe some pastors would, would identify a common excuse that they've heard, but 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 really we don't have much time. We don't have any time to read God's word. Uh, they, they tell us now that the average person will live seventy-seven years. Not 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 everybody. Uh, maybe someone will. Around you will pass sooner or live longer, but on average 77 years is how long we have on this earth by average That's 28,000 days 670,000 hours 40 million minutes in case you were wondering that's, That's about how long we have here on this earth But the average person invests their time in some interesting ways 40 minutes a day on the phone is average for the person who lives 77 years That's 20 hours a month. That's 10 24 hour days a year and their whole lifetime That's two solid years out of 77 years of talking on the phone Or listening on the phone Not wrong with talking on the phone, but that's how we spend some of our time The average person spends one hour a day in the bathroom Collected all the times together. You go to the bathroom in a day. I know it sounds crass. I'm just telling you how we spend our time. You say it's not very important to go to the bathroom. Wait long enough. It becomes very important. You have to find a bathroom. You spend an average of an hour a day in the bathroom. That's 30 hours a week, 15 days a year. And in our lifetime, that will be three years of your life wasted or invested in the bathroom, however you want to look at it. The average person would spend 26 minutes per day getting dressed or undressed. Now, my question is, what are you doing? Just put it on and go. But I guess, you know, and getting the clothes ready and picking it out and, and putting them away and all these kind of things, they tell us it's about 26 minutes a day. That's 13 hours per month, seven days a year. That is an entire year of your life getting dressed and undressed. The average person who lives 77 years will watch three hours of TV a day. 90 hours each month. That's 45 24-hour days per year. And in your life of 77 years, that's nine solid years of television. Now, the average Christian, not the average person, the average Christian spends less than five minutes a day reading the Bible or praying. Now, they may have a day where they spend a little bit longer, but when you average it out a day, it's, it's less than five minutes a day reading the Bible or praying. That's less than six hours a month. That's less than three days per year. And that's less than seven months out of a 77-year lifespan. You see, my heart today says, I, I, I think I, I hear the, the cry that we don't have time, but we all have the same amount of time. We may not all live the the same amount of years, but I've checked. There's 24 hours today, and there's going to be 24 tomorrow. It feels like 22 or 23 sometimes, or some days feel like 30 hours. They just go on and on. But we all have the same amount of time, and we can invest it how we see fit. I want to challenge you and myself today to look that we have the time. We have the time to read God's Word. Now, my my number one concern or fear this morning is that you will misunderstand my heart and you will begin to think that this is about some ritualistic, some kind of religious reading of Scripture that you've got to get so many verses in a day to keep the doctor away or evil away. This has nothing to do with you earning your keep with God or putting gold stars on your chart to enter into heaven. But this has everything to do with feeding our soul. It has everything to do with investing into our life the things that are important to us, that can bring life to us. But why should I be concerned about that? Well, look in your outline there. We see Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Here's what it says, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now, all those other statistics, you you may be like me, when you hear statistics, you go, who who said that? Who, Who wrote that? I don't know if that's true or not. Well, you can argue with Barna or a couple other researchers. But this is God's Word. It says faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. Okay, well, what... What good is that for me today? Well, you see, in Hebrews eleven six, it tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. You cannot please God without faith. And so if you want to please God, if you want to live for God, you have to have faith. Well, how do I have faith? Well, we just read that. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. The written Word of God and the living Word of God. Who's the living Word of God? Jesus. Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word of God. And faith comes by hearing from the written and the living word of God. We want to please God. We need to have faith in Him. For He that comes, we've got to believe that He is. He is God. And that He is the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. How can we please God without faith? How can we live without faith? God says we need His Word. Now, But before we go on, I want to make sure we understand what we mean by faith. There's a lot of different interpretations or understanding of faith. And here's six that are biblical that can help us see the breadth and depth of what I believe this passage is talking about. And Jude Now, it's written down there for you. I want you to study this later. The intent today, in fact, every time that we teach and preach up here, this is not to give you all the food you need. This is to jumpstart you for the week or to spur you on. And so if you don't have a devotional pattern, you can start walking through some of this together. But but Jude 1.3 refers to faith as this content of Christian belief. You can jot that in Christian belief. It's this doctrinal faith it's what it's called the the faith. Well, what is the faith? what is your doctrinal belief? what do you believe? What do you hold to be true? Your truth, what you believe comes from the living and the written word of God. You want your faith, the faith, your understanding of god your belief in god to increase you need the written and the living word of god another aspect of faith in acts 16 31 refers to saving faith it's entrusting christ and him alone for our salvation now, now listen to acts sixteen thirty one. they replied believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved you and your household scripture talks about itself it's living and active it, it, it is still alive and it says The Lord is your Savior. Faith in the Word of God is a saving faith. A saving faith. Belief that Christ saves us, no one else. The living Word of God. Faith also is is, is not just our doctrinal faith, the faith. It's not just our saving faith, but in Genesis 15, 6, it refers to this justifying faith. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him, credited it to him as righteousness. Righteousness is right living, and it's this right living, it's it's being justified, it's just as if I never had sinned, and so my faith that comes from the word, the living and the written word, is is righteousness, it's it's justification, it's what is right in my life. What is right living look like for you? What does being just look like for you? It's going to come from the Word of God. If you're a follower of Christ, it should come from the living and the written Word of God. Your faith is a righteous faith. Galatians 2.20 refers to an indwelling faith. We've got this doctrine, this belief. We've got this Saving faith is justifying faith and it's this indwelling faith trusting god's word in and through us listen to galatians 2 20 I've been crucified with christ. I no longer live but christ lives in me The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me This is that living By faith indwelling faith it's when we're squeezed. It's when we're pressed It's when you're crushed and when things come in from all sides. It's what oozes out of you your faith Will ooze out of you no matter what you put your faith in when things get tough What squeezes out is what's in? And so this faith we want the good stuff to come out of us when we get squeezed and and squashed Well, how do we get that good stuff in there? It's not about just Hoping and crossing your fingers and, and just trying to grin and bear it. It's from the word Where does faith come faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word? I love it that God makes it so simple. He says I, I've given you a book I, I've given you my love letter. I've given you instructions on what I want you to do and how I want you to live most of church America says, well, yeah, that's good. I I want one. Church America does. Some of Church America says, well, I'll, I'll read some. But unfortunately, few of Church America will say, I want to, to be in this. I want this to be in me. It's that indwelling faith. When the Word of God is in me, it comes out of me. That's an indwelling faith that Galatians 2.20 talks about. Or, or maybe... We need to see the faith that 2 Corinthians 5.7 talks about. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.7. For we live by faith. Well, How do we get faith? Well, remember what Romans told us. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. We're going somewhere. Hang with me. 2 Corinthians 5.7. For we live by faith and not by sight. How many have heard that verse before? Very good. Well, We'll try it again. You have to vote. It's 2013. You're going to get a perfect voting record. How many have heard 2 Corinthians 5, 7 before? Okay. Almost everybody. We are going to live by faith and not by sight. I believe this is one of those passages of Scripture that we we know about. Sometimes we even quote. But it's very, very, very different than how we live. We want to live by sight. What do you mean, Brady? Well... When, when we go to work, we make our decisions by what we see. When, when, we, when we gauge our emotions, if we're encouraged or discouraged, it's based on what we see. When we, when we have time of rest and relaxation, we know we're having a good time by things that we see. We, we want to build a new friendship with somebody, so we, we look around at the things that we can see. But this says we live by faith and not by sight. It's not to say that the the external things have no value, but compared to the faith that we have, it is a daily living faith. It's this faith in God that gets us through every single day. It's the indwelling, yes, but it's not an indwelling once and done. It's an ongoing, it's a daily faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the Word of God. If you learn nothing else today, if you catch nothing else, I want you to be so familiar with that Romans passage that you're almost sick of it. You want me to stop saying it. Then maybe I would say it three more times. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. If you want your faith to increase, you've got to take in more of the written and the living Word of God. It's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. It's that daily faith. Six, we see in Hebrews 11, one through 3, a very, very, very familiar passage. Refers to this faith that's a gift to us, a gift of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what is visible. See, God gives each of us this gift of faith. It's been given to us. But the question is, what are we doing with the gift of faith? We don't earn it. It's given to us. The the living and the written word is given to us. and, And when we take this in, when we take Jesus in, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, there's a measure of faith. But it's to grow in us. I want you to put a bookmark in your mind, and I want you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles 34. We're going to look at King Josiah's story. And before we look at King Josiah's story, uh, I want us to understand the state in which he was in, and his people were in. They were around the things of God, but they had seen the fire grow dim. Things began to get crusty and cold. They needed new life breathed into them. They needed reformation. They needed revival to come to them. And we're going to look at how God moved for King Josiah. But before this maybe takes some root in our hearts, we need to ask, how are we doing with our 40 million minutes? Some of you have already had 40 million minutes. If you're 77 years old, Or older, you've had 40 million minutes. Some of us have not reached half of 40 million minutes, but how are we doing with that? What is happening in your time? How is your faith today? Is your faith strong? Is your faith increasing? Is your faith growing? Or is it something that we think about and we go, well, faith, I I believe God exists. But if my faith is at the same level when I first accepted Christ, my my faith doesn't really grow. What are you talking about? We've had a lot of perverse teaching in, in church circles about faith, and I understand that. I'm not talking about a faith that's perverted. I'm not talking about something that you manipulate or you try to control God with. In fact, it's quite the opposite in Scripture. Faith is when I am possessed and controlled by God. It's the word that is in me, the living and written word that's in me, that increases my faith. But there's this litmus test. If my faith is weak, you're a horrible person. No. If my faith is weak, then then I've backslidden. No, not necessarily. If my faith is weak, I need the Word. I need the living and the written Word. And for some reason, we've become so anemic and so ready to say, I'm okay with little faith. We have outsourced it to a spiritual gift for the elite. Well, I don't have faith like they do. I don't have the gift of faith like they do. I'm not saying there's not giftings of faith, but every believer is to have a measure of faith that grows and grows because the Word of God begins to take root in our heart and it spreads and grows. King Josiah wasn't so sure that it was happening. In the beginning of his story, we see there's some stages that led to this revival. And this first stage I want you to see, it's where he began to seek God. 34 verse 3. It started by him seeking God. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. What are the things that you and I seek? What is it that we run after? He was seeking God. I'm afraid that in the church, we have come up with this idea that a seeker is someone who has not prayed a prayer to accept Jesus, and a follower is someone who prayed that prayer once upon a time. And I think I understand what we try to say, but we say, well, therefore, I'm, I'm not a seeker. Or I've already been saved, or I've already made a, another trip, and I've been sanctified, and therefore, I don't, I don't know if I'd categorize myself as seeking after God. Paul said in Ephesians, I know Christ, but oh, I want to know Him. Oh, I want to know Him. But I know Him. But I want to know Him more. I'm seeking after Him. If you want 2013 to be a year of revival in your heart, of life in your heart, we've got to start by seeking Him. Now, I want to warn you, it sounds wonderful. Do not seek Him if you're not ready for the next thing. Just don't. I'm like dead serious Because you will be so discouraged, you will be so disheartened, you will be so frustrated if you get to the second thing that that Josiah did, if you just kind of seek him, but you didn't really want to seek him. If you want to seek him, here's where he leads you. He will lead me, he is leading me. He will lead you if you want to seek him in this way. And here's what happened. He purged Judah of idolatrous objects. Chapter 34, verse 3 through 7. He purged Judah of idolatrous objects. I want you to check that out later. Don't take my word for it. You you read it. There in verse 5, it says, He burned the bones of those priests, the false priests, on the altars. So He purged Judah and Jerusalem. It was... Under his direction, the altars of Baals were torn down. They were cut into pieces. The incense altars that were above them, they were smashed with the asher poles and the idols. They didn't just kind of move those adulterous items to the side. They didn't bring up God next to them. They tore them to pieces. They smashed them. They burned them. See, when when you seek God, he'll say, Oh, I'm so glad you're seeking me. But you're also seeking this. And sometimes those idols are evil. And sometimes they're amoral. But anything, whether it's evil at its heart or it's, it's not bad or good, but if it's taking the place of where God needs to be, it's bad. Right. And it needs to not just be kind of put in check. It needs to be smashed, cut into pieces, burned. Now, I don't like that. <laughs> I did not want to share that today. There are some things that, that, that I don't really feel like are evil. They're just kind of okay in my life that I feel like God's saying, Brady, I want you to smash it and tear it to pieces and burn it. Oh, God, come on. Kind of, kind of like to have that. Do, do I want to seek Him? Or just kind of seek Him? Do you want to have life or just a little bit of life? Josiah wanted life. There was death there. Led to the third thing. Repaired the house of God. Verse 8 says he repaired the temple of the Lord his God. Now It started by him seeking God. And then it moved to him removing and banishing and tearing to pieces those idols that shouldn't have been there. And then the place of worship was lifted up and repaired. And revival and life bringing things, we often go right to the temple and we begin to think, well, let's make church better in 2013. Or let's make my little church at home better. I'm going to make my devotional life better in 2013. No, no. It starts at your core. Am I seeking God? Am I willing for Him to have the right to say, I want you to smash that and tear that to pieces. And anything that's competing for me, take it out of the way. Well, why in the world would Josiah do this? What would bring him to this? Look at verse 2 of chapter 34. What caused Josiah to make these changes? It was his desire to know God. It wasn't his desire to get out of hell free. It wasn't his desire to be in good standing. It wasn't his desire to keep up the family tradition. It wasn't his desire to have something good to do on a day of worship. It was his desire to know God. I would argue it wasn't his desire to find out things about God. He wanted to know God. It led him to seeking God. Verse 2, it says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. These are conscious choices that he made. Second, he he found a book that brought revival to his nation. Verse 14, if you're following along, look at verse 14 of chapter 34. It says, found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Moses. This was a huge part of the revival in his land. It was a huge part of the outpouring of God. It was this book of law. It was the book of the Lord. He found a book that he devoted himself to. Now, it wasn't just any book. It says it was the book of the Lord. It's the Bible. It's the Scripture. It's his holy word. It's his written and it's his living word. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word. You want to have life in you? You want to have a new level of Christ in your life? You have to have new faith, growing faith. Finally, why would Josiah do this? Josiah had time, a time of genuine repentance for himself and for his nation. He had a desire to know God. He found a book that brought revival to his nation and he had time, a time of genuine repentance. I think it's kind of trite for me as a preacher to say we need to repent. Because we've had a few generations before us that just harped hellfire and brimstone and repent, turn or burn. And then we begin to see that it was not smelling of a relationship with Christ. And there was truth in that, but we, we missed the relationship with Christ. But oh, the danger of what has happened, and we've swung the other direction, and we've talked about the love and the grace of God, and it is so deep, it is so wide, but friends, it should draw us to repentance. So we don't burn, well, yeah, I don't want you to burn, but He loves you so much. Don't stay stuck there. I don't seek God, you don't seek God with a heart that's not repenting. Now, let me tell you what, what I've learned as a Nazarene. Now, you probably didn't learn this because you're you, you, uh, probably better than I am. But I, I picked this up as a good Nazarene. I learned the things that we say and the things that we don't say. I, I learned the things that we do and the things that we don't do. And, and it's okay for me to, to confess my sin and go to the altar and get saved. That's good. And up to a certain age, it's kind of acceptable. I need to go back and kind of make it right. But then, then, then I go to a, another trip to the altar and I give him everything and I'm sanctified. And now I'm living wholly for him. Okay? And, and, and now I've also learned that that nothing separates me from God except my free will. And I believe this, friends. But somewhere in this distinction of free will, for us to say that I am not going to turn my back on God. We have made this a quality that I, as a Christian, I'll never need to repent of anything. Now, I, now, trust me, I'm a Nazarene. I'm with you. I love you. I'm one of you. I'm not saying that, that we live however we want to and a Christian sins in word, thought, and deed every day. No. Hey, we know in the narrow definition of sin, James four seventeen. anyone who knows the good that he or she ought to do and doesn't do it, that's sin. And sin separates us from God. That conscious, willful disobedience to take my will and put it above God's will, that separates us from God. And the Christian does not need to stay stuck in that bondage. You can be free from sin. But, friend, that doesn't mean we don't repent. It doesn't mean that we don't say, God. I have missed time with you sometimes it's intentional and and we may not want to talk about it. it's uncomfortable It was a willful choice other times. It, it just kind of gradually happened What are you harping on this for pastor? It's the first Sunday of the new year. Let's talk about something nice and soft Friends, this is so good there's so many things coming for us, but we need to understand that to get to that good, to get to the life, to get to the revival, there is the repentance that he had. And we'll come back to that in a couple of weeks, I think. Josiah's desire to know God caused him to do this. He found a book that led him to do this, and he had genuine repentance that prepared the way for this to happen. And this isn't in your notes, this is extra, so I'm not charging you. Number four, if you want to write it in. Josiah found that he loved the Word of God. Woo! It's not something he had to do. It wasn't something that he was told to read. It wasn't just to strive for vibe in the Sunday school class that you had to check it off that you did the reading list. He loved it. It was fun. It was exciting. Why? Because life was coming in. And then look what he did. Verse 29 and 30. I'm not making it up. If you don't believe me, look at 2 Chronicles 34, 29. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, All the people from the least to the greatest. That's a long sentence to say he got everybody he could. He said, all of you, everybody, come here. What did he do? He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. He said, guys, this is good. This is bringing me life. You got to hear it. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the word of God. Finally, the question for us is, do we, do we have a love for God's Word like Josiah did? Do we love the living and the written Word of God the way Josiah did? Where is your faith today? Would you like more faith? I do. Maybe you need saving faith today. You need a faith that will rescue you. Faith comes by hearing the living in the written word perhaps you need you need that daily faith you do good in spurts but you need that living by faith that daily faith that comes from taking in the living and the written word in your life maybe you're, you're struggling with what you believe it's that faith it's that doctrine it's It's what you make your decisions on. What do you actually believe? It comes from the Word of God, if you're a follower of Christ. What is right in your life? What is just in your life? Righteousness, justification. You will see what it looks to live like that through the Word of God. Again, Lord help me, my my, my words are, are failing me. This is not about religion. This is not about legalism. This is not about if you didn 't read today, you go to hell it 's why didn 't you read today there 's life here well why didn 't you why didn 't you eat today? Hey, um, I have a secret to tell you I like to eat i 'm working on liking to eat less god 's talking to me about learning how to to eat less and eat the right things and And what is a human portion and what is a horse portion? And and I I think sometimes maybe I'm a horse in the portion. But no one had to tell me that Doritos are good because they're amazing. No one had to tell me that green bean casserole is wonderful going through your veins. And gravy should be a drink, not just something you put over the potatoes. It's good. That's my heart today. If you try this, it's not that you may like it. It will change you. Now, if you're not seeking God, if you're not willing to remove some of those idols in your life, then then just you have permission to ignore me. Okay? Because you'll try it, and just like you've maybe tried before, it doesn't work. Because, see, you have to let it get you. Do we have a hunger for the Word like Josiah did? Romans ten seventeen. so faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word of God and so In my final thought here's what I want to challenge you to do and your 40 million minutes In your lifetime Let's beat that average of seven months out of 77 years Think of the things that you do for only five minutes a day on an average What would it be like if you would read God's Word? I want to challenge you over the next 40 days to join with me in reading the New Testament. Some of you, this pace will be slow and you can read faster. I want to ask you not to do that. I want to ask you, don't read faster. Some of you, this is going to like breakneck pace and, and you, it's going to freak you out. I want to ask you to be freaked out and, and be challenged. And the average reader, which is not me, in 28 minutes a day, you can read through the New Testament in 40 days. In your bulletin, the back there, you'll see an outline of the days, and people like me would have to have a chart and list and have to see it right now. You look at it, it's there, okay, it'll help you see. I think the first one is Matthew 1 through 7, and somebody see that, does it look right? 1 through 7, 1 through 8? Okay, so seven, eight chapters, yes, depending on how large the chapter is, it may be some longer chapters, about 28 minutes. Now, if you read like me, it'll be 40 minutes. I'm slow, I'm not a good reader. Well, good grief, it'll be 40 minutes a day. You don't have to do it all at one time. You know what? It sounds holy to read the Bible at 4 in the morning. I can't do that. I'm sleeping. It sounds good to do it the first thing when you wake up, and that's a wonderful pattern. But I'm not giving God my best. I pray and pour out my heart to Him. I study at night. Midnight, my brain turns on. However God created you, give Him the best 28 or 40 minutes a day and join us. Now here's what I want to encourage you to do for the next 40 days. I want us to do it together Because something will happen Not because of a program and definitely not because of a sermon, but because this is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of God stands forever. It is the same today as it was yesterday. It's going to be the same tomorrow. This is a life source for us. We need faith to increase in 2013, and you don't do it by listening to me. You don't do it by going and getting your favorite podcast. You don't do it by, by gritting your teeth and doing it harder. Take in the written and the living word. Now, again, if you're, if you're putting on your legalism coat, shred it. Because it's one of those idols we need to get rid of. And some of you, over the next 40 days, are going to miss it. And you may read the New Testament in 43 days. Well, how good is that? You're on the 43-day plan. Some of you may accidentally get on the 47-day plan. Who cares? Let's take in the feast of the Word of God. But when it happens, I don't want to ask you to read it so you can feel holy. I don't want you to read it so you can feel superior. I don't want you to read this so you can put a notch in your belt. I want you to join me and saying, God, I want to seek you. I know you. I've read this before, but I want to know you more. And, and, and God, I'm serious. If there's some idols in my life, not because someone up here said it, but because this said it, maybe we should smash them. Maybe we should burn them. I don't want you to ever do anything that I am asking you to do. I want you to do what the Holy Spirit's asking you to do through His book. <laughs> Are we Okay. Father, your word has been declared all morning. Amen. I pray that you will take our measly 40 million minutes and breathe life into them. Lord, I pray that you'll protect my friends from any fumbling or Missing the mark in my words today Holy Spirit, I pray that you will breathe on your words And make them come alive in my family I pray that you'll give us a hunger and thirst for your word today And I pray over the next 40 days Not out of legalism, not out of religion Not out of just some challenge But out of a hunger Out of a desire to know you more That you will remind us And so God, I'm telling you myself Uh, I switched. Sorry, God. I'm not talking about the church. Brady will forget. So, God, I give you permission to remind me, to wake me up, to draw me to your word. Start it with me first, God. Now, Lord, I want to go back. Sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place today, God. I'll go back to my family. I pray that you'll do the same in them. Wake them up draw them to your word, and change us, increase our faith, not because of something we conjured up, not because of something we're trying to recreate, not because of something we're trying to copy from someone else, but what you put in us. Now, Jesus, I don't believe you play tricks on us. You didn't do things in this book to give to us Is a book of exceptions. You gave us a book of examples of how you still move and still work. So, Lord, I pray that as this is living and active, that you will begin to convict our hearts. Right now, before anyone has read one word of this 40-day challenge, we want to say yes to you to convict our hearts on the things that are idols in our life. And I pray that there will be a godly gossip, a godly talk, a godly, contagious Hunger for your word that we will have to get everyone around us to read what we just read Thank you father Before I see it. I thank you for what you're going to do in me and my friends and family church right now In our last 60 seconds, this may seem silly. I kind of feel like it is but i'd rather obey god than than not feel silly So (laughs) there we go uh, if you would like to join me And taking the next 40 days and reading the New Testament, this does not make you super Christian. If you don't want to join me, this doesn't make you super hellion. It just means you want to join me or you don't, okay? If you want to join me in taking the next 40 days and reading through the New Testament or listening through the New Testament, I'm going to be talking about this in the next couple of weeks and how you can listen to it if you learn through your ears better. If you want to do that, I want to invite you just to stand up at your seat right now. I'm not going to call out your name. I'm not going to have you walk anywhere. I'm not going to have you do anything silly if you want to join me in reading through the new testament the next 40 days it's about 28 minutes a day if you're a normal reader if you're not normal like me it may take you 40 minutes a day very good now i want you to look around to your friend not to look and see who's sitting look at your friend and i want you to find somebody who's standing and say "I i need you to help me right now find them who are you going to let help you Now, you may have chosen your seat unwisely, and there's someone around you that you don't want them to help you. Then pick better next week. Don't sit there. But today, you need to find someone and say, I want you to help me stay on track. Not legalistic. I want you to help me stay hungry, okay? Friends, I am so excited about God, what He wants to do in our life. Let's read His Word together and allow 2013 to be the best year, not for how we feel, but the best year for our faith to grow. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We start tomorrow and reading. So if you read today, you got ahead. So if you think you're going to be behind, then go ahead and start today. See you tonight. God bless.